my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy Wave All Your Fingers at Your Neighbors Day, Joe. I'm assuming this is rather than sticking two fingers up at the neighbors when they do something that pisses you off. Wave all your fingers at your Does that mean something? As I said, I just think it means make it clear that you're waving and not doing any kind of rude gesture. So, so yeah. like the neighbor. Like a jazz hands. Okay, coming up on today's show, my babies, we finally did it. We made it to maybe the most highly anticipated show of the year. Maybe of the 10 years we've been doing this podcast. I really can't even begin to tell you how excited I am for this week's show. We have finally reached episode 296. And Joe, we might as well stop after this because I think it'll be impossible to surpass this achievement. We got there. It's the Good Ship Murder episode. And we have used up... I'm not even joking about this. We have used up... Two-thirds of the entire 2024 Poker in the Ears budget sending James on location to where the Good Ship Murder is filmed. James, tell them where you are. I am in Malta. I came here to see the ship where this modern TV classic was filmed, but it's no longer here. What? I, I think it's being used for an actual cruise right now. And maybe there'll be a murder on it, and that will be a TV show? That's a bit meta. That's right, my babies. This week, we'll be breaking down Season 1, Episode 5 of The Good Ship Murder with James Hardigan, live on location in Malta. And the poker contained therein will be broken down as well. Maybe we should put the word poker in inverted commas. I'm not going to lie, for something we spent two-thirds of our budget on for the whole year, I thought there was going to be more poker in this. <laughs> what there is is certainly worthy of discussion. It might possibly defy analysis, but it's certainly worthy of discussion. Yes. So in order to analyze, discuss, define, discern, um, make some sort of sense of the poker... In the Good Ship Murder, we'll be joined by the owner of PokerCoaching.com. And you know, he might as well own the ASPCA.com because he's been catching a lot of strays on Twitter lately. Jonathan Little will be on the show today. We are going to have a little analysis of the Good Ship Murder. I love it. Plus, the return of the Growler. It is Jody Ann's fault. We watched The Good Ship Murder, so feels appropriate that she's being forced to take part in this week's superfan quiz about the show. Her real name is Jody Ann? She is a former superfan. I know that, uh, but but I I, I really, I, you could have, I could have guessed a million things. I only know her as Growler. I've hung out with her many times in person, her and her partner, um, and that's incredible that I'm just learning that right now. Well, you learned it the last time she appeared on this podcast. Appreciate that was... About 120 episodes ago, but yes, she's making a return appearance. Um, we'll talk more about superfan applications later on because okay. we need to we we need to have a word with people who are trying to get on this podcast. But but carry on, carry All on. Right. Uh, we did have some audience let us know what they would have done and what would you do regarding Sandy the Degenerate. And I have another 
what would you do for y'all to talk about for next week? It has okay. the thinnest imaginable connection to gambling, but it is something that happened in my life. But we are starting things off today with a big announcement. Yes, we highlighted the fact that this is episode 296. Of course, the real landmark is just a few episodes away. We are approaching episode 300. And those of you who've been with us a while will know that we like to do something special every time we hit a centenary. We hit episode 100 back in 2017, and we celebrated that with a live show at the Hippodrome. Episode 200 hit in 2020. It was during the pandemic, so we couldn't do a live show. But we did a live stream show, and we had special guests, Phil Helmuth and Aaron Sorkin. Episode 300 is coming up. I can tell you that that will be recorded on Wednesday, the 13th of March, and we are urging you to save the date because we are returning to the Hippodrome Casino in London. We're going to do another live podcast, another show in front of an invited audience of fans. We're going to have a poker tournament at the Hippodrome afterwards. We're going to have some special guests on that show Wednesday, the 13th of March. More details in the weeks that follow about what you can expect to see at the Hippodrome. And of course, details about how you can get tickets to come to that show. But if you're interested in being a part of it, mark that date in your calendars now. Wednesday, the 13th of March, two days after my birthday. I, you know what? I, I think I will finally not miss your birthday for once. What are we going to do for your birthday? I'll be in, That means I'll be in town for your birthday, James, and I'm terrible with birthdays. And uh, I gotta put, I'm putting that in my calendar right now. <laughs> it's more important to me than the 300th episode. No offense. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I think wait, we're wait. going to combine the two. Wait. We're probably going to combine the two. I'm not going to do something separate. Okay. Well, maybe on the 12th because I think I'll be flying. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll discuss that off the air. Uh, m- moving on, what do we have for? Uh, what did people have to say about Sandy the degenerate? I have to say that most of the response to this was pretty reasonable, and I agree with a lot of the people who posted. Let's start with depleted ZPM or ZPM, depending on. What Should side we recap what happened? From. By the way, I guess real quick, what happened was Sandy the degenerate. Oh, no, 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 no. If you didn't hear it, go back and ep- listen to episode okay, two hundred ninety-five. Fine. fine. Um, I mean, in short, we're talking about someone finding someone else's wallet and deciding it was okay to spend the money they're in. That's the only recap you really need <laughs> yeah, to know. And, and Depleted says, if it was me, I would probably have used some of the money in the wallet to get a cab to the guy's house if it was more than walking distance. Because if someone did that for me, I'd be very grateful. Um, and I think that's fair. I think you highlighted, Joe, that they maybe their uh, driving license might not have been up to date and the address might not have been Or maybe current, the guy's not home, then you don't want to just shove it in a random mailbox. Maybe someone else steals it at that point. But yeah, yes. not, the thought is a good thought, though. Yes. Uh, JRob89 backs up, I think, what I was saying on the podcast last week. Sandy, WTF, man. If I can't make a reasonable effort to track the person down myself, then it's going back to the place where it got misplaced into the jacket. That's what Philip asks as well. Back to the coat check. That's where the owner would be looking for it because that's where the owner lost it. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fine if you're not going to hand deliver it to the person um, and, and, and make it easy on them. Because, you know, I, the only thing I'd be thinking is that maybe that person wouldn't know where they lost it. Uh, but yes, I think that's perfectly reasonable as well. Yes. Smiley Chops asks a very good question. Did Sandy actually pick up the poor fella's coat instead of his own? That's entirely possible because, uh, to be perfectly honest, we know that Sandy is the definition of an unreliable narrator. 
So we don't know. Like, I assume that Sandy at this point was telling the truth about everything and that Sandy did have Sandy's original coat. But it's a great question. Sandy may have just walked off with someone else's identical, nearly identical, not at all identical coat. Who knows at this point? Uh, Ant-Man jokes, is it just me who keeps the cash and tries to max out the cards? Nobody seemed to mention that idea. Uh, and <laughs> finally, Tokyo 711. I can understand, I mean, kind of, Sandy's point of view. Um, if they thought spending it on good things would maybe prevent bad things happening, but it's a very narrow view on other people's morals. Also causes more layers for that person trying to find their wallet. They could be searching at the last place they had it. Again, yeah. it comes down to returning it to whence it came. Um and Tokyo says, looking forward to more, what would you do dilemmas? So what do you have for us this week, Joe? Okay, this is another interesting one. And I'm not sure if I'll share what I ended up doing, although it'll probably be easy to guess. So I'm in my, my local grocery store, and um, I uh, am, am looking to walk to the checkout. And for once, I'm going to go to the uh, to an actual human being in the checkout line uh, because uh, usually I almost I say like 95 percent of the time use the self checkout. You know, it's just me and my girlfriend. Usually we don't do big grocery shops and usually there's you know a massive line at the one or two humans working. So there's only one uh, customer in front of me in this line. Register number nine. I remember it very well because the light was on. Do you guys have the lights in the UK? Yep. They have the no right. The yep. light was on. So I get in line, and as I'm getting in line, I, I trip over something, and it's a small, not, not a bad trip, but just I kind of kick something with my foot. It's a small can of cat food. And me being the person that I am, I don't just kick it to the side. I'm like, oh, this isn't someone's way. Someone could get hurt. I bend over to pick up the small can of cat food. And then as I pick up the small can of cat food, I notice another small can of cat food, and then another small can of cat food, and I pick up the three cans of cat food. And as I pick up the third can of cat food, I notice a scratch-off lottery ticket. Face down. Uh, and so I flip it over, and it's an unscratched scratch-off lottery ticket. Now, when I stand up, the cashier looks at me and very nastily says, I'm closed. And I look up at the light, and now the light is off. Had you already put your stuff on the conveyor? My stuff was already on the conveyor, yes. No, 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 no. If they're thinking of closing that register, they have to block off and alert the fact that pe to people that they're going to close soon so people don't put their stuff on the conveyor. As soon as your stuff's on the conveyor, if there wasn't a sign on the conveyor saying this checkout is closed, you're good to go. Yes, I agree. And as someone who worked in a grocery store, technically, even if your light is off and a customer shows up there, you're really supposed to take them. Um, but as also someone who worked in a grocery store, I know how annoying it can be when you're trying to get out of there. So I'm, and me, the people pleaser, I'm like, hey, I, fine, but here, these things are on the ground. And there was a couple of old women that were having their things bagged up in front of me. And I thought the cat food might have belonged to them. And I go, here. Old I think, women, cats, story checks yeah. out. Yeah. And I go, look, here, I think that this may belong to the old ladies in front. And she goes, oh, yes. It does. Thank you. And then takes the stuff and then kind of rudely turns away from me. Again, not wanting to really get entrenched with me as a customer. And then I say, oh, hey, I think they may have dropped this also. And I hand her the scratch off ticket. And she goes, oh, no, no, that's mine. And puts it in her pocket. Okay. Now, this is where... Now I'm like pretty incensed. Like I, I do not feel good about this situation. 
I do not feel good about this situation. I don't know how this cashier's scratch-off lottery ticket would have made its way into the place where these old ladies had dropped their cat food. She didn't um, ask them anything like that, and she took the thing and put it in her pocket. Now, as a former grocery store employee, I know for a fact that this does not fly at all. Even if it was her scratch-off ticket, security would have to be involved. This is like a thing. And so now I'm like pretty pissed off that she was rude to me, and I think she stole this scratch-off ticket from someone. Maybe it didn't belong to those old ladies. Quick question. Is there any ruling that forbids employees of a store from buying lottery tickets from the store that they work at? I don't know. Because that would seem to be a sensible precaution to put in place. Right. But exactly. I just, don't know if that's a thing. Just to avoid these sorts of things. Correct. And now I'm like really tempted to go find the management and be like, hey, I don't think I'm not really sure what happened in this situation, but the cashier told me. And then I think to myself, but what good is that going to do? Maybe she did steal the ticket from me. And look, I don't want the ticket personally, but I just don't want someone who doesn't deserve it to get it. And then I'm like, how much money could this cashier possibly make? Do I really want to get them in trouble? Do I really want to get them fired? Do I really want to get them, um, you know, it, maybe they did steal it from these old ladies. What good is it going to put into the world for me to go and complain about this? So I really had a dilemma as to what to do because I also don't like nasty people getting away with being nasty and rude and mean and possibly being thieves. So I put it to you, people of Discord and the Poker okay. Stars Poker in the Ears Discord. What would you do, James? Do you have a do you have a, a ruling here? What would you do? I think that last week people may have been influenced by what we said about the situation. So I'm actually going to be a blank canvas on this one. Okay. And I'm gonna say, let's not give our own kind of personal view on this. Let's see what people write unprompted, uninfluenced. So, yes, Pokestars Discord server, the podcast discussion channel, what would you do in this particular situation? I mean, maybe you, what you would do, not you specifically, James, is just pocket that scratch-off ticket to begin with and not even try to turn it in to the cashier or the old ladies in front of them. Um, you know, it, it, all, all reasonable. And I do think that we didn't get a lot of people last week saying they would spend all the money in the wallet, and I know you're out there. I know you people are out there, but Discord isn't exactly anonymous. Not our Discord, at least. So people who probably would keep it, I'm not so sure I trust them to say it. Well, let's see what people say. And of course, we'll link to the podcast, uh, the Pokestars Discord server in the podcast description. Now, we covered Poker News in detail last week. A few things have happened in the last few days. Most <laughs> of it has happened on Poker Twitter or Poker X, whatever you want to call it. I have to say, this platform has descended to new lows. And I'm sure there are people who love us to give our two cents on Berkey versus Negrano or Helmuth's latest bit. I'll be honest with you. I think the level of discourse is pretty aligned with the horrific platform that's playing host to it. But I don't actually want to get into it. So I just don't. I know you don't want to. I'll, you Just answer me a couple of questions really quick. Yesterday when you texted me and you were like, Twitter is Every day is finding more and more ways to descend further and further into a fucking complete dumpster fire of a shithole platform. What was it that sparked you saying that? Because it was before the Helmuth, like Haxton thing, wasn't it? Like that happened later. It was 
non-poker related, okay. Joe. It was it was something in the current affair space. Because um, th the goddamn Helmuth, like Haxton, uh, Helmuth coming out saying Haxton shouldn't be allowed to wear his mask has reignited this whole masks don't work debate. And that, it, it, like... Okay, moving on. I, I specifically don't want to get into it because there yeah. are things that I would say, including about some poker media outlets as well, that I just don't want to say right now. Instead, <laughs> I want to focus on the positive because there was what? one headline <laughs> from Poker Twitter slash Poker X in the last few days. I'm going to read this verbatim. Jonathan Little has taken down the 25K Poker Go Cup finale and in the process becomes the Poker Go Cup Series champion. He earned the better part of half a million dollars for this achievement. So I think we need to say congratulations, Jonathan Little, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's been a great week for me of poker. I actually won another one for 250K, so a nice 750K week. Had a few other caches, so wow. maybe it's 800K week. I'll take it. Sometimes all around. Uh, look, Jonathan, we often complain about people in the US not knowing what's happening in the European poker world. But I have to confess, I have no idea what the Poker Go Cup series is. So please enlighten me. There's a studio called the Poker Go Studio. So when I a mean, man and a woman love each other very much. You yes. don't have to start with the basic rules <laughs> of Hold'em. Just tell me specifically about this series. This series is like the other three series they have. They have three, call them major No okay. Limit Hold'em series, where right. it is a series of 10K events up to 25K or 100K or whatever they decide to go to. I think they actually just started adding in a, a few $5,000 tournaments. So it's essentially a series of eight or nine or 10 tournaments. I don't know how many. All the days bleed together. And if you get the most points, which are essentially linked to the most cash yeah. profit, not exactly sure how they do it. There's some system. Where if you algorithm. get the most points, you win. There's an algorithm. And uh, somehow, some way, a win plus a seventh and a ninth plus a second would not have won because David Peters won wow. two of them. And so I essentially had to win two events to win. And luckily, I did. Man, beating David wow. Peters at anything is tough, especially over a long period where he had some really deep runs so d peters for d peters as i like to say uh jonathan were you at all distracted this week during the poker go cup uh given that you were what's called uh, what i like to call you were a main character on poker twitter for like i don't know close to seven days <laughs> poker twitter is a funny thing because it's full of people that some people pay attention to while other people do not pay attention to them at all and I mean, look, I'm, I'm almost 40 years old. I don't have time to sit on Twitter. Oh, look how smart I am at poker. Look how big my muscles are. I don't have time for this. I am, am busy playing a poker tournament series. And apparently Matt Berkey did not like something that I said on Twitter. He seems to not like random stuff that I say. And to be fair, if you put out tons and tons of content, inevitably some of it's not going to be perfectly accurate or it's going to use a bad example or whatever. And to be fair, his point pointed out a bad example. And I immediately clarified it with, Here's a much better example. You're right. And I think what happened is Daniel Negreanu sees Berkey trying to crap on me a decent amount of the time. And he presumes it's because we're both in the training space. And Berkey, um, as Negreanu thinks, does not do as well as I do at it. And uh, he's picking the try to tear them down method as opposed to the build them up method. And uh, I don't really engage with that kind of content. If you're trying to tear people down, that's not for me. I get that some people love it, but... Yeah, that's not the type of content I engage with. So 
I don't worry about it. You have to realize that I'm not in control of these people. I don't really care what they say. I don't care what they do. I'm just busy trying to play poker and add value. And of course, just as you move past that, you then become the subject of a mini vlog from Nick Shulman. And by the way, Nick, please don't drive and vlog. Please do your vlog and then drive home. Please don't record video while driving. But anyway, I always try uh, to assume that the video is reversed and they're in the passenger seat. And I'm just seeing it <laughs> the, because of the I, I try to give the benefit of the doubt there. And again, to Jonathan's credit, it seems like this this to this Nick thing, you just immediately were like, hey, I'm sorry. So look, uh, with this Nick thing, I we were on the bubble of the $25,000 buy-in tournament. I had just lost a huge amount of my chips with a full house. Somehow, randomly, I pocket ace. The opponent had queen jack, and it was like queen jack jack. And we checked it through, and the turn was an eight. Ugh. And anyway, on the river, I saved five big blinds. I was down to five big blinds on the bubble. Um, somehow, I did not lose my last five big blinds. My opponent did not want them. And then <laughs> I get up and walk to the other table, and I see Nick Schulman all in with aces against the queen nine of hearts. And like, you know, it's an emotionally charged week. I'm doing my best to play good poker, trying to show that I know how to play good poker, because apparently some people think I'm terrible at poker. And uh, this time I was good because his aces lost to the queen nine suited. So I'm very good at poker now. And <laughs> anyway, the nine came and I said, OK, <laughs> you know, anti-sweating him. You're always anti-sweating the other short stack on the bubble. It's just how it works. Absolutely. That's how and poker works. And uh, he probably had a rough day. He was short stacked. He was grinding it out. He wanted to cash too. No one wants to bubble a $25,000 buy-in tournament when a min cash is 55K or something. No shit. And um, he, he was apparently annoyed. So the queen came on the turn. He's like, is that okay too, John? And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. I'll go back to my table now. And, but he, um, did, he, did, he did bookend it by saying that I guess that was what happens, right? When you're all in on the bubble, you kind of want that guy to lose. And at least Jonathan was honest about it. And I kind of respect him for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything here. Yeah. I want, I wanted whoever's short on the bubble to lose. I don't care who it is. And it just so happened to be him that time. I, I love Nick. I played with Nick a few times. I wouldn't say we're like good friends or anything, but we're friendly. And um, I like him very much. And I'm glad he didn't punch me in the face. Now, I would like to highlight that we actually had you booked to appear on this podcast before your recent success at the Poker Go Cup, because as a poker player and poker coach, Jonathan, we knew you were the ideal person to analyze the poker, the incredibly authentic <laughs> and accurate No Limit Holden scenes in a TV show called The Good Ship Murder. Um by the way, I am in Malta just for this episode of the podcast because this is where the TV show was filmed. This is I, this is how important an episode it is for us, Jonathan. We sent James to Malta. Turns out that the ship's not parked there anymore. Did you even get a picture of the slip? Anything? No, I took a picture of the harbor where I believe okay. the cruise ship once was. I'm not sure exactly which bit of the harbor it was docked at, so I took a wide shot. But yes, um... Just to start did, with did the, the premise. Well, did, I have a question. Did the boat sink because the show was... <laughs> uh, by the way, by the way, you'll love this. I was actually looking it up earlier on, and I found it on a Malta news site. This is 100% this is true. There is great delight on this island that the Good Ship Murder has been renewed for another two seasons. Wow. Awesome. All right. Uh, so I think we need to start with the background and premise of this show, for anyone who's not familiar with it, the idea is that there is a character called Jack Grayling, who is a former police detective who decided to have a career change midway through his life and become the lounge singer on a cruise ship. 
conveniently, as there is a murder every single week on this cruise ship, he gets to actually solve crimes as well as sing songs, aided by the first officer, Kate, who, as far as I can tell, has absolutely no experience or police training, but is his sidekick. But he probably needs that help because despite being a former detective, he doesn't know the difference between blood and ketchup. Well, luckily, there is a lab on the boat, quite a extensive <laughs> forensics department on this cruise ship as well um, that is capable of doing analysis on a cruise ship that I say probably couldn't go out to sea for more than a day or two. Well, bear in mind that the ship has zero passengers and only four members of crew. I think it could be in financial <laughs> trouble. We are going to talk about the episode called At Sea, which involves the cruise liner being at sea and hosting a high stakes poker tournament because Joe poker's the new rock and roll poker <laughs> Can't is say it with a straight face poker's the new rock, rock and, and roll. roll baby who knows what this could lead to reality tv televised tournaments <laughs> i mean what we've got by the way Jonathan we have our 300th episode of the podcast coming up and i think we should get one of the actors from this show to be a guest star on the yeah well why wouldn't you? Yeah. So, Jonathan, um, what was your? Uh, did you watch the whole episode or just the poker parts? I tried to watch the whole episode, but I couldn't. I couldn't do that. That's okay. I, could, <laughs> I, I only. I only did the poker part. That's fine. So, I kind of want to. Let's just start for the poker parts from the beginning. Well, no, why? Here. Why are they playing poker to begin with? Why are they playing a five-handed winner-take-all poker tournament? Because it's the Global Poker Stars Invitational, Jonathan. And by the way, if I told my uh, my legal department that this was a thing, I guarantee you this this show would get a cease and desist. Um, the five players, that I, let's talk about the five poker players who are introduced in the style of a Guy Ritchie movie from 25 years ago. Um, we don't see a lot of them, but who would you say they're meant to be, Jonathan? Who do you think they're based on? Like Nikolai Volkov, a.k.a. All In, the number one poker player on the planet, an unrivaled bluffer. <laughs> I mean, is this someone saw rounders and thinks that all the best poker players in the world are Russian? I was going to say, it comes off as like a, you know, Teddy KGB type guy. It, it yeah. is a bad Teddy KGB impression. Although, so one thing I would like to say to this show's credits is some of these people are acting their hearts out. Um, I, I believe it. They, they certainly were trying their best. Yes. Uh, First Officer Kate, I think, is acting her heart out. I think she's really putting in an effort here. And I think uh, a couple of the players, uh, the widow, we can we can jump over to her next. I think she's acting her heart out on this show. Wendy, the widow Weston, who apparently is poker's original rock chick. That's right. Don't know what that means, but she Great. sure is it. Um, someone who I don't think is acting particularly well. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to offend the individual. Maybe he just realized what type of show he was on and decided to dial in. Keith Lomax, the Bitcoin billionaire. Um, I'm sorry. It was a bit wooden. <laughs> yeah, he is the subject of many of the hands in this episode, so we'll talk about him a little bit. You say many of the hands. There's one hand in this entire there, episode. There's, which... there's two hands. There's two hands. Okay. Is there okay. a second gonna... hand? I scanned through the whole episode. You guys only went through the first hand. Did you not see no, the no, twist no, 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 in the no. end? No, no, well, the, 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 you don't really get to see much of the hand. It's more about the reveal in the hand. But but Fine. there's there's only there's only one hand that we can actually break down and analyze, and we're coming to that, Jonathan. But there are two more players we need to cover off here. 
Lee Deadeye Stannard, who I'm going to assume is basically just a kind of composite of Doyle, Amarillo Slim, Puggy Pearson, all those kind of old school gamblers. But he's very clearly, in my opinion, played by an English guy because he's, he's not. He's not. He's not. The actor is from Wisconsin. I that checked. Is, wow, because there's a couple <laughs> of times where I was like, his accent is slipping, which is really weird. But OK, fine. Um, his performance for me, no offense to this person, was my least favorite. Um, it was like oddly gruff, but c- gentle and understated at the same time. I just didn't really get what what he was going for there. You guys are harsh but, critics on people's acting. This is their career. Give them a break. They're probably way better at it than you guys are. See, Jonathan okay. stays like above. Exactly, Jonathan stays above the muck. He doesn't. He doesn't talk is, shit about people. Okay. This is like when people on the internet who don't even play poker are saying that I'm bad at poker. It's ridiculous. well. Here's the thing. Actually, if, that, let's address this. Here's the thing. Uh, and my my sort of rule about criticism is this: If someone wants to go on their podcast and talk about my commentary and say that they don't like it because that's their job is to go on a podcast and have opinions and things, that's great. What they don't need to do is tag me in it. What they don't mm-hmm. need to like, so I'm not going to go online and be like, "Hey, actors of the Good Ship Murder, we fucking talked about you in this episode. Check out <laughs> how much we shit on you." That's that makes you shitty. It is our job to say what we think of this TV show. But yes, you're right. It's not the nicest thing in the world either. You're right. Okay, the fifth and final player, and I have a theory on this one. Beelzebub. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. What 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 the fuck? So Which three one things. Was that? that was the this internet is, player. No, no, no. This is Poker's original bad boy. That's it, yeah. Who hangs around slot machines and has mayonnaise in his beard. Joe Stapleton, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was. Oh shit! Who? I, that's, you know what? That's really weird. There was something about this that I was like, "These guys are ripping me off." Where was it? I'll, <laughs> we'll get to it eventually. I thought um, that there might have been something. Anyway, there's a lot of things influenced by the real poker world that we're going to get to. Okay. While everyone is enjoying finger food, by the way, that is where I predicted exactly what was going to happen and, and what the resolution of the episode was going to be. This is a very, very simplistic show. This is not high end television. Um. So that's rude. <laughs> just to be clear, this is a free roll, right? With a one million dollar winner takes all no. first prize. No, 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 no. I thought it was. I think it's a. He said they said it's a million dollar buy-in. Here's okay. There's a bunch of inconsistencies. Jonathan, you tell me what you glean. My theory was this: it's a million dollar buy-in, winner take all, and then on the first hand, someone's all in. They say it's nearly for five hundred thousand, but it. <laughs> But he also only bets a hundred thousand. There's there's a lot of things that don't quite add up. Did you did it any slow of that? Slow down, ma- slow down, slow down. Yeah, I took good notes on this. You don't okay. remember it at all. Okay, we're playing a five-handed winner-take-all tournament. They put the yes. flop out immediately. Flop is <laughs> king of diamonds, nine of spades, five of diamonds. Okay, king nine five. Yes, then I have the ask, same notes. Then the people on the side say, "How do we know who's winning in the hand?" And then the person says, "It's hard to tell who's winning without knowing what they have in the pocket." He's like. <laughs> Like what pocket? Their pockets in their shirt? Like no, the pocket. Their pocket cards. Okay, fine. Then I suppose the widow bets ten thousand. Yes. Either eight, which she has ten thousand. Either eight or ten red chips. I couldn't really tell, but uh, red chips are usually not a thousand. But whatever. Bets ten thousand. Then Volkov, who is the Russian guy, yes, says raise thirty. Correct. Then he puts in eight or ten white chips. Again, kind of tough to say. Which also makes no sense whatsoever because uh, you, you don't make 30 by any real number with eight chips or even 10 chips, but whatever. There they go in. The lady then folds. The out of turn. Folds. The widow folds <laughs> yeah, out well, of yeah. turn. Well, so yeah, slow down. 
Widow Folds. And then somehow Lomax, Lomax is his name, L-O-M-A-X. Yes, yes Lomax I is in the I quotation marks because I cannot understand this. Lomax is magically in between uh, Volkov <laughs> and the Widow. And he's like, oh, I'm here now. And so somebody's there just despite of putting any money in the pot so far whatsoever. They have some long nonsensical table talk, you know, where they're like, oh, I'm so macho and I'm macho too. How big is yours? Mine's bigger. They do that. And then Lomax says, raise to 60 or raise 60. They don't say raise uh, you, two. You're missing a very important line, which makes absolutely zero sense. Before re-raising to 60,000, Lomax goes, at this point, I'd like to thank everyone for their generosity. I, okay. <laughs> I think yeah, it means it, that when, everyone's gonna he's gonna win all of their million dollars. Okay, so we assume that the re-raise to sixty k is called by Volkov, and we go heads up but to turn. That's wait, to, no, down, no, hold on. Down, to Jonathan's John, point, something. he puts the same number of white chips in nearly as the last bet. So they go from thirty to sixty, and he just slams in probably about the same number of white chips. Right, is he put it in possible? Is it possible, considering the quality of the poker chips being used on the good ship murder, that there were white chips that were worth one value and white chips that were worth yes. a different value, and Any, they just have different numbers on them? Anything's possible on the good ship murder. <laughs> that is possible. But then the other guy put in another stack equal to it. So he clearly called the amount that should have been put in. So we already got this Lomax guy shorting the pot by 30K, presumably. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Maybe the, maybe he's shady. He's going to short the pot 30K on the first hand. What is the turn card, Jonathan? No, no, no. We're well, not there I also, yet. I also noticed here, I really loved that he had his watch on the table. I presume to randomize. He had his gold watch sitting <laughs> on the table in front of his uh, stack. I'm like, oh, this guy's a pro. This guy knows what he's doing. He's randomizing it. Re-raise, re-raise minimum. Good job. Okay. Volkov calls. Turns at 10 of clubs. So the board. I already so, forgot it. King, so king nine, five, five, ten. ten. Yes. Two diamonds. Nine, yeah, two diamonds. Lomax bets 100K with 12 black chips. <laughs> Fine. He also has about 100 black chips behind in a stack, which were presumably worth, I don't know, a million, plus a whole load of other chips, a whole <laughs> load of them. So those must be all worth like a penny each or something. So he has these <laughs> these 100 these, these black chips that are worth a lot, and everything else must be worth nothing. Okay, so fine. He bets that. Volkov somehow already lost almost all of his money. He has nowhere near as many as Lomax, and he just immediately rips the stack in. No problem. Jams it into the pot. All on top of the other guy's chips, all into just the pot. To, it was amazing. He just to be clear, he announces all in, but he is calling all in. Lomax is bet of hundred k has him covered. I don't. I don't think it does. I think the other guy had to call because I have in my notes. Lomax doesn't say call, but he says, "Let's see what you got." So is that a call? Is that not a call? This guy's shady as hell. You can tell already right off the bat. He's short thirty k. He, he doesn't even say call. Is like show me what you got. Yeah, I Lomax agree. doesn't put any more chips into the pot. They actually say that Volkov's all-in is for around 100k. I thought he was calling all-in, which means or would make his play insane. But right, so he had mind, to have been re-raising. He had to have but, been re-raising. Be re-raising by what? 20,000? To a point where a guy's pot committed having a bet 100,000? James, You uh, don't know what those chips are worth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're just chips. They're just okay. chips. And the okay. pot gets okay. splashed super hard. So one thing that I want to say about my experience watching this is right as the pot gets splashed super hard, the guy just takes all of his random color chips, skittles into the pot on top of the other player's stack. My, I'm watching this on Daily Motion where they just interrupt with weird commercials mm -hmm. every few minutes. Yeah, it's ad time now. Yeah, so a fucking commercial <laughs> for Yama Yama <laughs> Casino comes on right in the middle of this hand. 
right in the fucking middle of this sandwich. I'm like, what happened? Did he call or what? So yeah, great, I had the same experience. Great marketing. I, I, great internet I'd marketing like, here. I'd like to tell you that some stuff was cut out of the version you saw, but no, no. By the way, at this point, I should say, our producer, Chris, has a theory. His theory is that they probably shot the poker correctly, but then it was all butchered in the edit. I don't yeah. think that I would give them that much credit. <laughs> no. um, but clearly what they're trying to set up here, and they don't necessarily do it the right way, is that Volkov's making a huge bluff and Lomax makes a hero call. But what are the hands, Jonathan? Slow down. So he says, let's see what you've got without actually saying call. Volkov says king high in his Russian accent and turns over six, four parts for like literal air ball, total nothing. Then Lomax says same, but my fifth card beats yours. And he shows the seven, two offsuit and points at the seven really hard. I'm like, all right, let's see what the river is. But then there's just no river card. That's right. And they decided I to not put a river card out at all. Um, Volkov is shocked. Then he thinks the watch must be a cheating device, not a randomization device, thinking it's a hidden camera or something. They fight a little bit. Lomax tells him, get out of here. You're just a bad loser. Actually, may I interject here? This is the part where I was like, these guys definitely are ripping me off. He goes, it's time to walk off, Mr. Volkov. And I'm like, that guy definitely saw my commentary. There's no way he would come up with that line without watching me and my dumb shit. By the way, how many people are watching this thinking, I wish I could play this version of Hold'em where you don't have a river card? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no river. No river in this game. <laughs> and then then as a uh, an FU, he throws him a souvenir red chip and says, for the journey. <laughs> he knows he's going to yes. be going somewhere soon. Exactly. Uh, spoiler alert, that he's going to be murdered amidst <laughs> drugs, vomit, burgers, but luckily, the rest of the players vote for the game to continue. And that means that Jack then has to investigate people who wear poker faces for a living. Um, I don't want to go too much into the investigation itself because it's ridiculous. Uh, we skipped that. No one watched that. <laughs> well, the spoiler alert and, and the, the bit which was clear to me from the beginning, it was going to be the same um, uh, reveal as Murder on the Orient Express. They all do it. They all try to kill him. And uh, the, the key point that Jack reveals that he knows that everyone was involved in it is also the point that they expose Lomax as the least subtle cheat in history. He gets busted due to an RFID scam, Jonathan. Ripped from the headlines. Unbelievable. It's like... Yeah, it's like we haven't seen that before. I feel like somebody sued me for, for calling that out one time. Um, so just to be clear, the cards have chips in them, which mm -hmm. are being relayed to some guys watching in his, room. his cabin who are then basically talking to him via uh, something in his hat. So, okay. Yeah, so he, had a, he had a thing in his hat. Ripped from the headlines, okay? We had the... The being accused of cheating right away, I think, was ripped from the headlines. Very reminding me of Garrett and Robbie. And then later in the show, when we had the reveal, the bone induction headphones that were in the hat ripped from mm. the headlines of the Mike Postle scandal. People theorized that that's how Mike was being uh, communicated with from another place. And look, I own a pair of bone induction headphones. They're great. I really enjoy them. And you do hear quite well through them. So someone did some kind of research. For this. They definitely did some research. They tried their best with this. They were like, okay, this happened. This guy, you know, crotchgate all this. Like, you know, he got the info just like um, possible. It is definitely very trying for sure. Um, 
So this is the second poker hand, right? But it seemed to me that I wasn't sure what was going on in the hand. All I could see is that for reasons that aren't explained, Lomax isn't getting the signal. His people aren't speaking to him and he doesn't know what to do. And that's when they bust out, bust the scam and the captain says, this game is over. After well, they well, very the importantly, grand... very importantly yes. they come back in and they say, Lomax is winning every other hand. And he's like clearly running over the table, right? So it's not like he just yes. won this one hand with a 7-2. He's just smashing him every hand. Right. Um, but the tournament is terminated and everyone will be confined to quarters until they can dock and the police can take over. But who is actually going to get charged for the murder? Because Beelzebub stabbed him. Stannard gave him the overdose. Lomax, the chip that he threw him, uh, Jonathan, was covered in ricin. So yeah, multiple he knew he was people going to killed hell. him. Yeah. <laughs> There was one point, by the way, in this show, I thought, do the, do the writers know that this is shit and it's the whole thing is ironic? When Jack says that Z-Bob's Z appetite was his downfall, you just couldn't resist a bite of that tasty burger. I mean, you can't have that as a serious plot point in a serious show. That was weird that the murderer couldn't resist taking a bite of his victim's food before he left the cabin. That was a little... That was a little on the nose. Also, what's really weird is, so I'm watching this show, and I'm like, oh, they're not going to murder on the Orient Express this, are they? Because this is a show with tons of episodes. They can't possibly, this can't possibly be the one that rips off <laughs> one of the most famous mysteries of all time. And it turns out, yes, they can, and they did. Maybe they do yes. this every episode, though. Yeah, maybe it uh, is. I don't know. we got to watch the rest of the season. <laughs> do you want to do it, John? No, not really. <laughs> no, no. One thing I should highlight, by the way, about Jack Grayling is he's played by a guy called Shane Ward, who is a contestant on the reality show The X Factor in the UK, oh. kind of American Idol in the UK. And uh, he won it back in, I want to say, 2005, 2006. And so he's a former pop star. So that's why he has to sing every episode. And that's why apparently after he's cracked the case, each episode of the good ship murder concludes with him performing on the ship and he always performs a song that is in some way connected to the story we've just seen hence he performs everyone's a winner uh in this particular episode and the one waiter that they have on board this giant cruise ship gets to dance as he's making a cocktail and so concludes this terrible 45 minutes of television but the key question, Jonathan, is have you seen poker represented worse than this and le less accurately in any TV show or movie? This this was a pretty bad one. I mean, to be fair, it was like comically bad. This is a comedy, right? So given the I show is definitively a comedy. I don't think it is definitively a comedy. That's what I was saying about the burger line is I don't think it's played for laughs. I think it's one of those so bad it's good type things where yeah. it's funny because it's terrible, but I don't think they're setting out to make terrible. Like, you know, it would be really funny. We're going to play a poker hand. They're going to get all in and there's just going to be no river. Wouldn't that be really funny? Yeah, it'd be funny. They just forget it. And I'm going to throw the guy a chip for his journey, but it turns out it kills him. See, Maybe. <laughs> I, like, that's, that's funny. This is definitely a comedy. What are you talking about? Read every single line. This is definitively a comedy. So given I, it's supposed to be a joke, I think it, they did a pretty good job hitting a lot of major points. We have the guy with the apostle cheating, we had, which was funny. They had his watch for randomization purposes. That was funny. They had all the random chip counting. That was funny. I also it was, think it was, it was hilarious. It was hilarious that it was a million dollar buy-in tournament where two people are all in on the first hand and they say the pot is worth at least half a million. That is funny. <laughs> 
That is yeah, hilarious. <laughs> I would watch a whole series of just this poker, especially if you get like Nick Schulman or someone to actually commentate it. That would be fantastic. This, uh, I mean, by how the much way, would you guys pay for that? That'd be great. That, that might like, be the next poker star show. If you do like something like that, Jonathan, there's a show called Medical Police on Netflix. That's a pure comedy, and there's a poker episode where they just just have all kinds of ridiculous poker errors in it. And uh, it is worth watching. Intentionally funny. Um, I did prepare a game for you, Jonathan. I don't know if we have time. I don't know if you have time to get to it, Jonathan. I don't know if we have time, James. We can squeeze it in if Jonathan doesn't have to run. You okay, John? Yep. Okay. This game is called The Good Ship, Good Ship. And all it is is I'm going to name a famous boat, and you just have to tell me what it's from, and it's multiple choice. Oh, my God. Okay. Some are real. Some are fictional. And um, yeah, I, I, Jonathan, I know you're not a big pop culture guy, so there's a mix of history, pop culture, uh, various things in here. And you can also, by the way, you can uh, Hector Hardigan if you need some help. Okay. One time I won a trivia contest on a cruise boat and they gave me a boat on a stick as my trophy. <laughs> well, you're going to get no prize for this, but that's incredibly <laughs> uh, coincidental that that has happened uh, because this is a qu- trivia quiz mostly about cruise ships okay here we go uh, i know nothing about pop culture go ahead okay here we go i'm gonna name a famous <laughs> boat you just tell me what it's from here we go the black pearl is it from treasure island the goonies pirates of the caribbean or the poker stars caribbean adventure 2004 we're gonna go with uh, the the pirates of the caribbean on that one you are correct you are one for one question two Genius. the argo the argo is it from the iliad the Odyssey, Jason and the Argonauts, or the movie Argo? What's the name of the boat again? The Argo. Oh, God. I mean, I thought the first three were like the same thing or close enough. Um, not clearly, the same they're thing. not. It's it's either Jason the, the Argonauts is, or the Iliad. I don't know if Jason and the Argonauts is even a book. The, c- even the, a clue is, the clue is very much in the name. Fine, the Argonauts then. Jason and the Argonauts. That is correct, Jonathan. You're two for two. Thought it might be the Iliad, though. Go ahead. Question number three. (laughs) The RMS Lusitania. This is a real boat. I'll give you that hint. Is that like the Titanic or something? The RMS Lusitania. Is it famous from World War I, World War II, the Spanish-American War, or World War Z? I guess I got to go with two, but I don't know the answer. You going with two? Yeah, your one. first eh. your first miss. World War One was sunk in 1915, uh, kicking off World War One, right? Nearly. All the history buffs can be mad at me. It was within the first year of World War One. Yeah. The Lusitania okay. sank. Yes. Okay, this one is another fake one, Jonathan. This Great. ship is called the Pequod. Is it from Captain's Courageous, Moby Dick, Robinson Crusoe? Or the boat that pulls up with all the ghosts and Ghostbusters. I'm going to go with the third one. I don't know, though. The third one, Moby Dick? Yeah, the third one, Moby Dick. That's right. That's what Moby I, that's Dick what I is correct. Congratulations. All right, you're three for four, Jonathan. I'm so you're smart. Getting, you're getting softballed here. <laughs> he did such a oh, great job analyzing stuff. the poker hand. He was such a good sport. I don't want him to get I get, say, I get I get my numbers confused. Two and three swap around in my head a lot. There we go. Uh, as of December 2023, which of the following was the largest cruise ship in existence? Is it okay. the Jewel of the Seas, the Icon of the Seas, 
Ultimo or Titanic 2? I'm going to go with the Jewel. Jewel of the Seas. You had it down to a flip. It's actually the icon of the seas. The Close. largest cruise ship in existence. And if you want to puke, Google that and read about what it's got. And um, it's they're like grossly big. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. It, like we don't deserve to exist as a species big. Okay. Which of the, we have two questions left. Which of the following sea vessels is a fictional ship? All right. Which one of these isn't a real ship? The Andrea Gale, Queen Anne's Revenge, the Trump Princess, or the Orca? Oh, you might have got a clue there from Hardigan. I mean, I guess I'm going to say the Orca from the laugh, but I have no idea. Jaws. <laughs> Jaws is the... Orca is the ship from Jaws. So you did get that one, Jonathan. One question left. By the way, the Andrea Gale uh, is the one... From uh, the uh, the perfect storm, and the other two are, I don't know, real ships. Here we go. Final question. Whoa. <laughs> this ship is called the Voyager of the Seas. The Voyager of the Seas. Is it from Master and Commander? Is it from Wolf of Wall Street? Is it the first ship to sail to all seven continents in under a year, or was it a ship that played host? to the first ever PokerStars Caribbean Adventure in 2004. That one, the last one. That is correct. Like, where do I know that from? I feel like I knew that, yeah, okay, cool. A little piece of PokerStars trivia to close things out. Jonathan Little, you're an awesome sport. I knew you were gonna be great at this. Thank you so much. Sorry for the homework assignment, but uh, you won like three quarters of a million dollars this week, so you can just fucking take a nap on a pile of money. I don't mind doing homework, and uh, thank you very much for having me. This is a fun show. I don't know who will possibly make it to the end of this episode, but if you did, well, <laughs> sorry. sorry. I hope thank it's you, better Jonathan. next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Fear not, ladies and gentlemen. We will be returning to The Good Ship Murder in just a moment. But first, we're going to talk about some of the other TV shows and movies we've watched in the last few months, Jay. Yes, I've watched things and I need my opinions to be heard. And of course, please, <laughs> on the Discord, I really, I've been into Discord lately. I check it every day now. No one's really saying anything on there. And I would love to chat with you all about some stuff. So if you'd like to make this a little bit more two-way, I'm totally into it. Okay, I watched so much stuff over the week between uh, Christmas and New Year because I was ill and I had people in town. So all we really do is sit around and watch stuff. Um, I watched that new, uh, you know, Taylor Sheridan has like 25 TV shows on the air. He's the guy that did, uh, this is the is Paramount it? plus guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's like every single show on Paramount plus. So I, I watched, uh, that Sylvester Stallone, Tulsa King, which started off right. kind of cool, ended off terrible in my opinion. Um, the, the lawman Bass Reeves, same thing happened. Really cool start, uh, about a true life story of a actually like a black Lawmen back in the day, right after the Civil War, which could have been really interesting, ended up being kind of eh, by the end. Um, so I'm going to tell you about some stuff I did like. Fargo season five, incredible, back to its true form. Season four was not great. Season okay. five is as good as any other season. 
I still haven't seen anything other than the first season. That's it's okay. on my list. It's a very, very long list right now. We're moving on. We're moving on. Um, I went to the movies almost not at all. Um, I, I, I just like watching stuff at home. James, you were like this long before me. Um, you were way more apt to watch stuff at home than at the movies. I'm I'm yep. getting there. Um, I used to always make the effort for the Marvel movies. It kind of broke me. I didn't go see the Marvels, and I don't seem to care at all about Madam Web. And is that because I hate women and I'm a misogynist, or am I just fatigued from all of the Marvel stuff? I have not watched Loki season two, and me I neither. didn't even realize didn't even realize the Echo had dropped. So I'm way behind. And the problem is I have zero enthusiasm to see any of it. We should do a prop bet and like what's the smallest, most insignificant character they can make an entire TV series or movie out of. My my buddy used you remember this way back when the Marvel movie started and my buddy was like, oh I don't go see them because all it is is a two hour trailer for the next movie. And I think that oversimplified things in the original MCU. But when I see something like Madam Web where it's very clearly all a huge setup just to tie other things together. I'm just like, we don't need that. We don't need that. So what movies did I actually see? Saltburn? I've seen this as well because, again, it's on Amazon, so yeah. it's very easy to, to watch. Um, I I kind of have mixed feelings about Saltburn. I can't say I didn't enjoy it, and there was much about it I admired, particularly Rosamund Pike and Richard E. Grant. But overall, didn't really do it for me. It didn't really stick the landing, and it didn't really come together. Yeah, I thought that it started off as something like fairly unique and interesting and then ended up being, spoiler alert, ended up being a very typical guy with not much money, really wants the thing that everyone else has and uh, does well, does what he has to do to get it. You feel like you've seen the story before, right? But also, and again, this is a major spoiler. So if you've not seen Saltburn and have any desire to watch it, fingers and ears for the next 30 seconds. The double reveal bothered me, Joe. The fact that when um, yeah. he, and, he and, the, and, the, and the rich guy go to see his parents and we realize, oh, he's been lying this whole time. That's when you realize, oh, he's a con man. So when we get the reveal at the end of the movie, oh, he's a con man. It's like, yeah, yeah but we knew that. This ending is not a surprise. Yes, not even just the ending, but just the go the the um, flashbacks to all of the things he did to lead into I it. Know. I was like, oh well, this is like a con man movie now, and not like a character piece about a really weird dude. So yeah, I thought that kind of took some stuff away from it. Uh, holdovers? Did you end up seeing holdovers? I've not seen holdovers. No. Holdovers uh, again it had a similar theme to Saltburn in that it's like, oh, isn't life hard for rich people? <laughs> um, and I did think it was kind of it was fun and interesting and good. It just didn't really speak to me that much. Uh, I saw something called Dicks the Musical, which I really enjoyed. Uh, my favorite movies of the year, by the way, we talked about before. I think are uh, amongst them uh, Mission Impossible. I really enjoyed solid. Um, uh, a mu- band camp, I think it was called music camp, something like that. Theater camp, theater. I don't know, one of those. Uh, and such uh, a good movie that you can't remember the name of it. Well, because it's super similar. Because Bottoms had like a similar theme, and I also really like Bottoms. Anyway, um, True Detective. I, it seems like what is kind of okay so far this season, but also this is the fourth season, the one with Jodie Foster, right? Night Country, True Detectives. Night. Yes, we're all in Night Country now. Um. 
And then I did make it to the movies this week to see one of the best picture nominees. In case y'all haven't heard me talk about this, this is so weird to me. Back in 2006, I had a roommate named Cord Jefferson. Cord wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a TV writer. I ended up sort of becoming a journalist in the poker world. Cord went on to be a TV writer, went on to write for such shows as Watchmen won an Emmy for it. Succession, not sure if he won an Emmy specifically for that one or not. Then uh, about a year or two ago, I texted him, invited him to a party at my house. And he said, you're never going to believe this, but I'm in Boston directing a movie. And that movie is called American Fiction. And it is nominated for Best Picture. So I went to see American Fiction the other night. It is, I would have loved it no matter what, because I'm so proud of my friend. Um, But it is very current and poignant and hilarious. And I really did enjoy the movie. And I'm so glad. I mean, look, I, also, I'll confess to everyone right now, to James, to the world, it was hard for me to watch. I am jealous. Like, I am very, not in a, like, a, I don't think he deserves it or I think I do deserve it, but it's really difficult sitting there and going, wow, like, our paths cross in this spot and he's, like, going to go on to direct probably 10, 12 movies in his career. And not that I'm at all unhappy with where I'm at, but I was like, sitting there just sort of squirming in my seat a little bit like man I, I i i want some of that i want some of that life but of course um but man uh, i'm really really proud of him. and the movie's so well cast and so funny and jeffrey wright who's the lead who we know from our uh, being james bond fans is also nominated for best actor i believe so yes uh, it's, really it's, love it's it. a film i definitely want to see while we're talking about movies that came out around oscar season and are up for awards um i've been on quite a lot of long haul flights recently. So that enables me to watch a lot of long movies. Uh, for example, killers of the flower moon, which okay. is the better part of three and a half hours long. Talk to me about this because we've gone to watch it a few times and just been like, I don't know if I have this movie in me right now. I think it is an interesting movie. It is a, it's a good movie, but there are many things that bothered me about it. And most of the things that bother me about it are things I discovered after watching it when I then look into the real story oh. and how things would change for it's, the movie, for example. It's still whitewashed despite seeming like no, a not it's, whitewashed it's, movie? It's not that. So, so, number one, it does not need to be this long. I can't say that at any point I was bored, but equally I didn't feel that it justified its length. Okay. It tells an important story, and lo and behold, there there is inherent institutionalized racism in America. Wow, who would have thunk it, right? Yeah. This story should be told. It was told in the nonfiction book from which it was adapted. Interestingly, the guy who co-wrote the screenplay with Martin Scorsese is Eric Roth, who is the screenwriter of uh, Lucky You. I'm sure he'd rather be remembered as the screenwriter of Forrest Gump. Um, I have to say, the leads are a problem. I just was distracted by the fact that it was Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. And I actually think the movie would be stronger with two different actors, maybe two unknowns. I think those two stars distract from the realism of the movie. Oh, interesting. Also, they are both far too old to play their respective characters. The people they play were significantly younger. Really? Sorry, the, the people the, they the, play, did they change the character to make the characters older or they are they're they're just supposed to be playing much younger people? Nope, they make the characters older. 
I felt that Leonardo DiCaprio, and I have a lot of respect for Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm not a hater. I'm not a detractor. There were many scenes in this movie where I felt he was acting, and mm. it, it bothered me. He's a poker the fan, nice by thing, the way. He could be listening right now, so just uh, keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> I think, obviously, I thought Lily Gladstone was fantastic, deserving of the awards that she's won. I love the fact that Jesse Plemons plays a good guy for once because normally he's the oh, villain. Oh, that's good. Okay, that makes me want to watch it a little bit more. All right, I like that. But there was a decision taken to simplify the story. And what you're actually talking about, and I think most people know the subject matter, what we're talking about here is a conspiracy that involved hundreds of people, hundreds of rich white people who wanted to basically kill off an entire tribe because they wanted their money and they wanted their land. And it's simplified in the movie to be about a conspiracy that's coordinated by one man and one family because that's easier to follow in a movie. Yeah. But by doing that, I think you're doing a disservice to the reality of what happened. Oh, it's so much and nastier. The- yeah, if it's a whole bunch yeah. of people. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. So, Killers of the Flower Moon is worth watching and there is still much to admire in that. Maestro. Yeah. <laughs> Had I not been on a long haul flight where you are very much a captive audience, I would have quit this after 25 minutes. Technically impressive. Is Bradley Cooper brilliant? Yes. Is Kerry Mulligan brilliant? Yes. Is it interesting? No. It's boring. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a boring film. Um, and finally, I don't think we discussed Oppenheimer when it came out because it was during the summer and we weren't making podcasts during the summer. This movie is a fucking masterpiece. It deserves every award going. I hope it wins Best Picture. And I hope this is the film that Christopher Nolan wins Best Picture, uh, Best Director for. He has been up many times before. He's not won the award yet. He probably does deserve it for this film because this is probably the pinnacle of his career. I love Nolan as a filmmaker. He's made many great movies. This is probably his best film. So I haven't seen Oppenheimer, and here's why. It's not fiction. And I love Christopher Nolan, and I'm sure this movie will be entertaining even though it is real. Um, I just, I'm like, oh, well, if it can't have like that Nolan sort of twists to it. I don't know how interested it's going to be. And the subject matter obviously is um, intense and terrifying. And so I've been like, it's, it's, it's almost like a homework assignment for me, but I, now that you say it, I'll probably end up watching it this week. Um, Do. Uh, so the, the one thing I wanted to talk about the most, even though it's not new and I is mad men. So I decided to start watching Mad Men. Like you talked about this last week. Two weeks ago, yeah. And um, I watched something like 30 episodes in 48 hours over the last couple of weeks. So you finished it now? You're at the end? I'm not finished. I'm in the last season, and I'm kind of slowing down now. One, because it's almost over. But two, because, and don't nobody spoil this for me, uh, I've been waiting for the, the character arc of Don to either... Sh- go somewhere or or not go somewhere. So I'm slowing down now because I am very much invested in this, invested in it. And also, so this is, I'm so glad that I waited until this long to see it. I'm a little upset I missed out on like the phenomenon when it was happening, when I actually yep. cared about the show. But because we have worked with John Hamm a couple of times since then, and I was intimidated enough the, the first time meeting him, the second time when we talked to him over Zoom. If I had seen Mad Men first, 
I would have been fucking terrified to talk to that guy. He is so scary in that show. He is so humorless. And so, unless he's like trying to pick up a woman or sell a client, there's nothing redeeming about him at all. And I know that it's just acting, but it would have spilled over into knowing him and to see how lighthearted and goofy he is as a real person. I'm so glad I didn't have to overcome that. Now, the show is hard to watch for me. Was very hard at the beginning. All the misogyny, all the sort of really rapey situations that that women get put into. Um, I knew that that was something that was going to be there, but I wasn't prepared for how much it was going to bug me. So I didn't like that. What I do like is that you are transported and that I'm really addicted to being in that world, which is why I binged it so much. Like I just for like almost 24 hours lived in the 1960s. So I thought that part was cool. Um, Here's my biggest problem. Mad Men though, James, and tell me if you agree with this. There is so much coffee and cigarettes in that in that show, and no one is ever taking a shit. <laughs> it never shows one person ever having to take a dump the entire time. Unrealistic. Unrealistic. No, that's, that's true of every TV show. No one ever goes to the bathroom on TV. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about TV shows, by the way, I want to highlight a show which I think is a little bit under the radar. Um, it's an Apple TV Plus show called For All Mankind. It started in 2019. Uh, the fourth and most recent season dropped towards the end of 2023. And I think it is one of the best things on television. It comes strongly recommended and... Seriously, you will not be disappointed. You will get through all four seasons probably in two weeks because you will just want to binge it. It is tense. It is dramatic. It is intelligent. Uh, I cannot say enough good things about it. Awesome. I almost started it last night. It was a coin flip between that and the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and I felt like we it was a little bit later in the evening. I was like, let's watch something that's probably going to be not as much of a thinker. So yeah, we watched I- Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And that's the other show I watched, Joe, uh, Reacher, season two. That's (laughs) a show that you don't... Not a thinker. (laughs) Not a thinker. And I have to say, I probably preferred the first season. I genuinely had a problem with some of the violence in season two, which I did feel crossed the line into sadism territory and made me a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, like the first couple of episodes, you're like, okay, they ramped up the violence, but like he like he fucks up that carjacker, right? You're like, okay, like whatever. It's hard to feel bad for that guy. But by the end, it is a little bit. You know what makes it more sadistic, I think, is that it was a team doing it in season two. It was a group of people doing it, all sort of reveling in, in the in sort of enjoying it, as opposed to season one when it's mostly just Reacher doing it. And he kind of just does it with no he's not as winking as much as he's beating people up he's just doing it to because he has to as opposed to yeah i agree with you on that and the plot just wasn't as good in season two like it was really just kind of a nothing plot whereas the season season one plot is like a really interesting sort of mystery they had uh i tell you what joe we got a growler knocking at the door so it's uh, back on board the good ship murder everyone Jody and Winter, welcome back to Poker in the Ears. Hello, thanks for having me back. Uh, you are responsible for this episode because you're the one who tipped us off to the existence of this TV series and specifically the poker-themed episode. Um, you're going to enjoy listening back to this podcast because we have got 
the poker mind of Jonathan Little, breaking down every single action in the key hand of poker at the heart of this murder mystery. I mean, I can only apologise to everyone who's watched it. <laughs> there was so much stuff. And to Jonathan Little. I could have talked about this episode for two or three hours. There was so much stuff that we didn't get to. I don't know if some of this will be in the quiz, but just a couple of things I want to mention is one is when uh, the first officer is talking to Beelzebub and he's sitting next to the slot machine. And then we hear sound effects as if he's playing and winning the slot machine, but he's not moving well, he's his always hand. lucky. Yeah, and then always lucky. <laughs> the sound of real coins falling out of the slot machine happens, and all of the slot machines are clearly set to a mode where you can't play them anyway. Like the like the help bar is across them. <laughs> I mean, there was just so much great stuff in this episode. It was, it, in a I, sense, I, I love it, the fact. I love that we've drafted in Jonathan Little as the poker expert, and we've got Joe Stapleton as the slots expert to kind of talk about the lack of authenticity in this TV about, program. I do know a lot about I'm about the slots. love of terrible television expert. There we go. Perfect. Well, there we go. <laughs> so, obviously, you have been a super fan in the past. This is a return appearance for you, but we're going to remain true to our word. There are two, not one, but two bronze power passes up to grabs, which is only fair considering the trauma that we've all been put through uh, by this TV show. But just very quickly, remind us about yourself and why we call you the Growler. I came to poker um, after I lost my my only child to suicide and um, I was uh, a bit shut down, really struggling, uh, just with broken brain. And my wonderful dad took me along to poker game as a safe place to just try and get me focusing on something and it was incredible and I've been playing poker ever since uh, and then along the lines of playing poker in a safe place I found the bar beta and went on into there and everyone was so supportive and helpful and it honestly it did me the world of good and yeah poker was kind of my way back into being a normal human being again which sounds really cheesy but it, it worked um, and whilst I was in there I got to meet Joe and and James and lots of other ambassadors. And I got the name The Growler <laughs> for being a bit mean at the tables. <laughs> um, I'm glad that poker's been there for you. And I'm glad that you have, have found uh, what we all hope people find in poker for the most part. But I will say you are not a normal person. So don't uh, <laughs> don't say that it made you a normal person again. There's nothing normal about you. Thanks, Joe. I'm going to take that as a compliment. I'm going to choose to take that as a compliment. <laughs> Right, I have a 10-question quiz compiled by producer Chris. Uh, for reasons I'm not quite sure, Patrick decided to watch the show as well, even though he didn't need to do the superfan quiz. I think he regrets that decision. Um, Jody ann please give me a number between 1 and 10. I, I love Joe dearly, but I'm not giving him an edge here. I'm going to take his favourite number Ooh. first, please. Lucky number nine, lead actor Shane Ward is famous in the UK for winning what? Multiple choice options Okay, are don't take this answer. No, I do know what it is. I've just had a mind blank and all I can think of is Pop Idol, but that is not the answer. It was X Factor. It was X Factor for two points. Very dramatic. And uh, I'm glad that you chose that question because I wouldn't have known that answer, but it was brought up in the last <laughs> segment. So I would have felt cheap getting it. So good for you taking See, question I nine. I psychically saved you. 
Oh, come on, Joe. You love a cheap win. Uh, give me a number other than nine. Uh, I'll take question one. Question one. Post-autopsy, other than morphine, what is detected in Volkov's system? Other than a bite of a cheeseburger, ricin. <laughs> it is ricin. No, it's Beelzebub who ate the burger. Thank God we've got that full forensics lab on board the good ship murder. <laughs> Questions one and nine have gone. Jody, any other numbers available? Uh, four, please. Number four. Former detective Jack Grayling is employed as what on the ship? His official title. Well, it's what is his job? Something it doesn't have... really ridiculous. Um, he's the resident singer. He is the resident <laughs> singer on board the boat and also solves the murders that they have every single week on this cruise ship. Yeah, of course. Joe, other than 1409, you can go anywhere on the board. Uh, I'll bookend it. Give me number 10, please. Question number 10. I'm going to give you four options. And I want you to identify the one that doesn't happen in the poker scene. Okay. We don't see Lomax call Volkov's post-flop raise, so we have to assume he did it off-camera. Lomax wins the hand without the river being dealt. Lomax gives Volkov a poison chip. After he busts, Volkov vows to kill all the players. Uh, Volkov doesn't kill everybody. Doesn't he does not vow to kill all the players. Yeah. So yes, you get one point for that. And there is a bonus question to get the second point. Okay. What color is the chip that Lomax gives Volkov? It's a red chip. It is. So we have a tied game. Four and I, points each. I think it might be the only chip that has a denomination on it also. <laughs> the rest of them are all blank. And I think the red chip says five on it. I, I, I really would not get worried about the detail of this. <laughs> Uh, we two, weren't three... supposed to study detail. No, oh, right. <laughs> two, three, five, six, seven, or eight. Um, always coming seven. Always coming seven. Wait, this long to get to seven. What is Dead Eye Stannard's drink of choice? Milk. Oh. <laughs> he loves his milk. Such a weird <laughs> thing. What what movie is it? There's it's like another character trait in a different movie. I can't remember. Someone's always drinking milk. Anyway. Anyway, Joe, uh, two, three, five, six, or eight. Uh, okay, let's take it right down the middle. Let's go five. Question number five. What is the name of the waiter who's always hanging around? The only waiter employed on this giant ship is called... I'm just thinking out loud here. It's like Barry or Jerry or Larry or... I'll, I guess I'll have to take the choices on this one. Okay. Is it, and listen carefully, because these names are all going to sound very similar. Oh, boy. Is it Jamil, Jalen, Jamari, or John? It's not John. I'll eliminate that one. What's the... Give me the first two again. Jamil. Yeah. Jalen. I think it's Jamil. It is Jamil for one point. Jody, you have a one-point advantage. It turns out it wasn't Barry or Larry or Jerry. No, correct. <laughs> uh, a one-point advantage going into the penultimate round, and you can take two, three, six, or eight. Just realized that Joe can see me, and I mouthed the answer to my other half, so I think that doesn't count. I didn't. I wasn't looking, I, but watch it. I, I am going to from now on. I mean business now, Joe. Right. <laughs> yeah, hold on to that one-point edge. Two, three, six, or eight. 
Who, please? Question number two. What does Lomax offer to First Officer Kate Woods? A job on his super yacht in Portofino. Wow. Correct, Specific. he does indeed for two Stop points. Stop fucking showing off, Jody. <laughs> you can have three, six, or eight, Joe. Uh, let's go with three. Question number three. What piece of evidence is used to implicate Beelzebub in the murder? Mayonnaise? No! Oh, okay, well... Would you like the multiple choice options? All right. Is it a poison poker chip, a knife, a candlestick, or a burger? A burger. But it's ketchup, not mayonnaise. No, he does he have mayonnaise, mayonnaise on his... Oh, wait. That's, okay. That's, a, yeah, that's right. at the beginning. That's at the beginning. Okay. So, spoiler alert, you only need one point to, to basically be assured of victory, Jodianne, and questions six and eight are available. Six, please. It seems there are five players in the tournament. At a PokerStars live event, what is the minimum number of players required for a tournament? Oh, wow. you, drew a, you drew a tough one That's here. That's a fucking hard-ass question. I genuinely don't have a clue. Why did I get that? Well, you gotta there take the choices, right? Take the choices, but you I'll remember, you still have the lead. Event, the minimum number of players. The minimum number of players. So if this, if, 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 Fewer than this number of players registered, the tournament would be cancelled. And this is specific to PokerStars live events. Does it need a minimum of five players, ten players, eighteen players, or fifty players? The options again, sorry. Five, ten, eighteen, or fifty. I can tell you what I would I'm guess. I'm going to go eighteen, just because it's two full tables. I mean, it's a pure shot. What would you have gone for, Joe? I think it's, I would, nine or, sorry, ten or five, I would narrow it down to those two. Because I know tournaments have run with fewer than two tables. I know that a one-table tournament can run. Ten is a weird number, though, because they wouldn't run it ten-handed, so then be two. I think it's five. I would go with five. You were almost there with your logic, Joe. Can, the I, minimum, can I change my <laughs> the, the minimum number of tables is two. And the minimum number five. of players at okay. each table is five. So ten was actually the answer. But, Joe, you need... Yeah. The full two points to tie the game. Okay. So the options are not really an option. Right. And question eight is equally difficult. Oh. How many titles has Wendy the Widow Weston won, according to her cliched introduction? So I, I can only remember the specific number of titles of one player, and I don't know if it's hers. But I only remember one of the players had 13 titles, so I'm going to go with 13. Wendy has 17 titles. So, congratulations. I believe this is the second time you've been a winner in Superfan vs. Stapes. Oh, did I win? You did win <laughs> by a two-point margin. So, congratulations. And I guess Thank it's you. deserved because you put yourself through this show, I presume, more than once. Uh, you are going to get two $109 Bronze power passes, courtesy of PokerStars. I, I loved every minute. Thank you so much to both of you for being like 
just amazing and supportive and uh yeah for getting me through some rough times <laughs> really jody ann thank you very much for always being a loyal supporter and thank you for uh i think thank you for informing us of this show's existence we will see you <laughs> out there in the real world very soon <laughs> okay we'll see you soon bye growler I Joe. Love you. All right, my babies. That's just about all the time we have got for the good ship murder. I don't know. We've. I feel like we've peaked, James. No, 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 no. We'll peak in a few weeks' time. We'll peak in March when we have that live show at the Hippodrome. A reminder of the date, Wednesday the 13th of March. And hopefully next week we'll have a few more details, including we'll tell you how you can get tickets for that show. What else is coming up next time, Joey? Coming up next time, I will be in London, England. Did you know they booked my flight on Super Bowl Sunday? (laughs) Well, they figured that you're not really a sports guy, so uh, you probably wouldn't care. I know, and I look. I had a show. This is not. I'm not blaming anybody at Poker Stars because I typically don't care. But I also got invited to like a really cool charity poker tournament in Vegas on Saturday, and because of Super Bowls in Vegas, it's going to be full of actually famous and important people. Maybe I can get the lowdown on that tournament anyway from some of the people I know who will be going. So maybe we can get some stories from that next week. Uh, our show next week is on St. Valentine's Day, but we're having one of St. Patty's favorites on the show, Podrig O'Neill EPT Prague champion. So I guess it'll be our EPT Prague 2023 recap show. No, it's our EPT 2024 preview show. We're looking ahead, <laughs> not back. Looking okay. ahead to the entire season. More specifically, previewing EPT Paris, the tour's Second trip to the French capital with a new and improved venue. And we'll tell you what we are going to be doing when we are out there in Paris. Now, I did say that I wanted to talk about future superfans. Guys, really appreciate you taking the time to apply to be on the show on Discord. What I would say is if you were going to get that application in, you need to be on the lookout for a direct message from Statrek. Patrick, from our team, we'll get in touch with you and try and book you in. So please make sure you are checking your direct messages. Make sure your DMs are open so that we can get in touch with you. It's very frustrating when someone volunteers to come on the show and then ghosts us. So please use the Superfan Applications channel to let us know what you want your specialist subject to be. Apply to come on the show, answer questions about that subject to win a power pass. But we need to be able to DM you to get your details, to give you the Zoom link, to come on the show. So look out for that message from Statrek. If you're going to volunteer, please be available. That's all there is. Yeah. Oh, oh, and if you're not already on Discord, guess what, guys? Link to the PokerStars Discord server is in the description below. Get involved. Tell me what would you do. Tell us what your super fan subject would be and tell us uh, how excited you are for the 300th episode. Let's chat. Oh, and if you want to weigh in on movies and TV for uh, what you've been up to the last couple months, go ahead. Let's chat about it. That is all the time we have got for this week's episode. However, until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs> <laughs>